Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company. They offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Welcome to episode 11 of Say Why to Drugs. Before we start, I wanted to share the extremely exciting news that last Saturday I went to QEDCon in Manchester, where Say Why to Drugs was awarded the Occam Award for Best Podcast from The Skeptic magazine. It was such an honour to get the award, so thank you to everybody who voted for us. Also, I'm really glad that everyone enjoyed the last bonus episode with Bristol Drugs Project. I thought it was really, really interesting. Now this episode sees the return of Scroobius Pip, and we're back to our usual format. And today we're discussing a substance that is very hard to avoid. Uh, Pip and I say why to caffeine. Excellent. All right, then. Let's talk about caffeine. Yes, let's. Also known as methylated xanthine. I'm sure we all call it that all the time. Constantly. (laughs) Can I have a triple methylated xanthine with cinnamon? (laughs) Yes, exactly. It's a weird one because it's naturally found in plants and things, but it is also, you can synthesise it as well. Right. When we drink coffee, it tends to be the caffeine that's naturally found in coffee beans. And when we drink tea, the caffeine that's naturally in tea leaves. But... There's uh, big warehouses in China that make synthetic caffeine, a white powder, basically. Yeah, and I'd imagine, is that what's in in soft drinks more often than not? Would that be the case? I don't know, actually. I think, you because you can extract it from the yeah. uh, like coffee beans and things as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, it yeah. could be either, I think, naturally extracted. As far as I'm aware, it's only recently that they've started to, to synthesise it. To so. synthesise it. And again, in reality, with soft drinks and whatnot, it's financially driven. So they'll probably be using whatever is the cheapest of, yeah, of, of the yeah. two in reality. It's, it's not going to be a... I like with coffee, obviously, there's great almost snobbery Oh, with coffee, so it will be. No, we use these specific beans and this, and it's for the flavour and for that. Whereas with drinks and energy drinks, even more so. I mean, that's got to be synthesised. <laughs> and some of the Red Bull and Monster and all things like that is. Well, but I mean, caffeine is caffeine is yeah, caffeine, yeah, whether it's so. synthesised yeah, it or yeah, whether it's from the plant. It's the same chemical, ultimately. Yeah. Okay, so this is a slightly unusual question to ask you, but what do you think is the appeal of caffeine? Um, well, I mean, people always talk about it of just energy, needing a a coffee in the morning before they can get going and things like that, which, again, I'm excited to hear about because I've I've never had coffee. I don't drink... I don't have a lot of caffeine in, in, in my diet. I've never had tea or coffee. But it's an interesting one because in previous episodes, we've talked about different drugs and how long they take, and I'm sure we'll get into this later, how long they take to take effect. But from what I was looking at briefly, it seems that caffeine is a slow a slowish one to give to give effect. So it seems that people having it in the morning or whatever, a lot of it is a, a psychological thing or a mental thing of going, I need, I need my coffee to get me, to wake me up when actually it will take two to th- three hours to actually get into your blood and wake you up properly. But to answer a, a less rambly, it <laughs> always seems to be energy if you need to st- Day awake at night, if you need to get mm-hmm. through the day, if you need that that pick me up at the end of end of work, that I'll have a sh- 
a shot of espresso or whatever and caffeine will... Or a can of Coke or something. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I think as well it's very socially acceptable yeah. as a drug. It's not that mind-altering in comparison to lots of the other drugs that we've talked about on these podcasts. I mean, it's got to be the most socially acceptable drug, right? Because yeah. alcohol, although it's very acceptable, there is still some taboo over it. There is still you, people will think you've got an alcohol problem. Smoking, as we've discussed, has become more and more less socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. But caffeine is the one you rarely have people worry that someone's drinking too much coffee or things like that. When it, it is a drug and can have addiction and can have negative effects yeah. if you have too much. And I think you've touched on something else there, that it's it's legal and it's mostly completely unregulated. Yeah, yeah. Certainly in terms of things like tea and coffee, there's yeah. not really any regulations about whether you can go and buy that. With energy drinks, it's maybe slightly different in that there's a sort of... I don't think it's legal, but certainly an expectation to put the amount of caffeine that's contained within an energy drink on the can. On the side, right, yeah. We'll get onto it in a bit, but it's um, a lot more difficult to do that for coffee and tea. Yeah. Certainly where things are brewed that you brew yourself, it can really yeah, vary the amount. Yeah, it depends amount. how much you put in and so on and so forth. It can be as irrelevant as some of them things on the side of packets that tell you the percentage of your, your daily fat intake and then yeah. it turns out this is one eighth of the packet and, and things like that so again it'll be similar with coffee that oh god that happened to me with some olives the other day i was just eating them thinking right this is 22 percent of the salt i need for the day and then i realized it was for one quarter of them and i'd eaten them all and so that was my entire day's I th- worth of salt i think salt. it's outrageous on them that it has all that it's just just not broken down it's like they could be it could be half a packet it could be a whole packet it could be anything yeah and yeah. it was definitely psychosomatic because i felt really odd after after reading that i felt fine until i read that and then i was like oh yeah no, I feel very it strange. kicked in. Anyway, we're not talking about salt today. Sorry. Or olives. <laughs> or olives. Okay, a little pop quiz. How yes. much caffeine do you think is in different substances? So do you think there's more in a can of Coke or a can of Red Bull? Um, I'd assume a can of Red Bull because that's kind of what they're marketing on, right? Yeah, so a Red Bull, a 250ml Red Bull is about the same as two cans of Coke or right. Pepsi. Okay, more in a can of Coke or a can of Sunkist? Again, I'd assume Coke because you just think of it like that. But Yeah, I Sunkist, assume you, that as well. You look at it as more, not healthy, but more fruit-based yeah. rather than... I was really surprised that there's caffeine in Sunkist, but there is actually, there's more in, right. more in Sunkist than Coke just, but I mean, it's roughly the yeah. same. On the table in front of us right now mm-hmm. is a book that I was reading on the train up here by a guy called Murray Carpenter, who wrote a whole book about caffeine. And in that, he has sort of created what he refers to as a SCAD, a standard caffeine dose. Right. And this is about 75 milligrams, roughly equivalent to a shot of espresso, 150 milliliters of coffee, one can of Red Bull, two cans of Coke, a pint of Diet Coke. And because it's really difficult to sort of compare drinks in terms, or in particular drinks, I think we're going to mostly be talking about drinks. There are kind of caffeine pills that you can Mm -hmm. take, things like Pro Plus. But we just think of things that contain caffeine and perhaps not the actual amounts that are contained as well. But that that Sunkist thing really surprised me. I've I've just realised, I've I've said that I don't have much caffeine in my diet, but I have these pre-workout gels and they have caffeine in it. And and, and again, it's, it's one of the things I saw as all right, that's a good idea then because I don't generally use mm. ca- a caffeine. So, yeah, that, that, that should, in theory, be a boost. But Yeah, well, we'll get on to sort of the effects of caffeine in people who are and aren't tolerant yeah, to it yeah. in a minute so you can then reassess maybe yeah, or not. Yeah. But caffeine's also in things other than drinks. So caffeine's in chocolate. Yeah. And there's more caffeine in dark chocolate <laughs> than milk chocolate. Because I have to r- remove any claim of having a low caffeine <laughs> a, a lifestyle then because chocolate's a 
big part of my existence. But uh, <laughs> the chocolate, uh, the caffeine rather in chocolate is similar-ish to the levels that you find in decaf tea and coffee. Right. So this is sort of orders of magnitude lower than what you find in caffeinated tea and coffee. Sure. So there, there is caffeine in it, but it's not going to have such a big effect on yeah. you as if you were drinking I, a big it's 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 weird. I stay up a lot for 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 mixed martial arts events, and they're on till six a.m. in the morning on, on UK time. And during them, I eat a lot of chocolate, and I think that's what keeps me going more because I'm I've got a, a sweet tooth. A lot of my friends who come around for it won't be eating chocolate constantly as I, as yeah. I will, and they'll be falling asleep and drifting off. And I think that and probably the sugar the, as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And caffeine's also in guarana, which is another extract from I think it's an it's a berry or a seed yeah it might be a seed it's one that a lot of the energy drinks were pushing yeah. when it became popular it was like yeah that have yeah and then yerba mate which is a type of tea that's popular in argentina i think in syria as well but it that's a sort of more caffeinated drink than tea or coffee but it's very popular when i was in uruguay earlier this year everyone was drinking it out on the beach and they all had these special kind of cups that everyone was using and you just, it was very rare to see People oh, really? hanging out, not drinking it, yeah. which I guess is like our coffee culture here. But having said that, like there's this amount in this drink and that amount in that drink, I've also sort of hinted that it can really vary within substances. So um, this guy called Bruce Goldberger did some... Um, so he went to one coffee shop, the same coffee shop, on six consecutive days and put in the same order right. and tested the caffeine levels and the same drink from the same shop like the same place, it wasn't like a different yeah. store of the same company. And it varied between the amount of caffeine between 260 milligrams and 564. Wow. So that's that's quite a big difference. Yeah, that's huge. This was in the States. There was another study done in Glasgow where they went round to a number of different cafes in Glasgow and found that, yeah, the amount of caffeine in a one-shot latte or espresso or whatever was really, really different in different places. It's fascinating, isn't it? Because it, it, it goes... To the unregulated nature of it again, because in a bar, generally, if you have a shot of if you if you have a shot of Smirnoff every day, you test that it's going to be there or thereabouts, isn't yeah. it? Because if of how use, regulated if bars it is. use optics, certainly. Yeah, if yeah, you go to the yeah. states when they make you a gin and tonic, it's insane. Yeah, they'll just, <laughs> they just pour. tip it in. So I think it's a yeah different way of drinking over there. But. Yeah, a lot of my American friends um, know to just really try and engage the barman in conversation as they're, <laughs> as they're making the drink to try and, try and distract money. and get yeah. the most out. But the things that affect the um, caffeine in coffee are a variety of things. So the growing conditions of the bean, the, the plant itself, mm-hmm. will affect how much caffeine ends yep. up in the bean, um, the variety of the bean, and then obviously the brewing method and the strength of the brew that you make will also have, have an effect. Yeah. So what are some of these effects of caffeine? Yeah. Have you ever sort of had a very caffeinated drink by accident or anything? Do you have any idea of what a sort of caffeine experience is like? It's a weird one because I'd, I'd be interested to hear the effects of caffeine on people who don't have it regularly because I found when I was doing a lot of, of late night drives on early days of mm-hmm. touring, I'd drink a Red Bull. I wouldn't really feel what you're meant to get from a Red Bull. I wouldn't feel more awake. I found that just a drinking plenty of water had a better effect mm-hmm. on me so i don't know if you have to be again i'd read somewhere that you to get the effect from caffeine 
you kind of have to be a regular caffeine user, whereas if you're having it once every month, it's not going to have the effect of someone who's having it every day, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it really does make sense. So the short-term effects of caffeine, you get an onset roughly an hour after you consume it, and yep. the effects last for about three to four hours. It's a stimulant, yep. so it should improve alertness, maybe concentration, reaction time, reduce drowsiness. It has physical effects on the body, so it can potentially improve your athletic ability, things mm-hmm. like sprinting, cycling and, and endurance activities. So there's there's rules in, again, not to keep going back to mixed martial arts, but it's the one I'm most mm. n- knowledgeable of there there's a limit on the amount of coffee you can have prior to an event because it then goes over to becoming a performance-enhancing drug. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because I went to a cycling event thing mm. and there was a sports scientist there and he he was talking about how caffeine can be useful if you're going on long cycles and he said it's impossible to have too much caffeine. That's definitely not true. Right. It's definitely possible to have too much caffeine. Yeah. It's quite difficult to have too much caffeine if you consume it in drinks but if you take supplements, which you can buy caffeine supplements, this white powder it's only about a tablespoon of that sort of neat caffeine that can push you into quite severe toxicity and it's definitely a bad idea but um there's a caffeine researcher in my department in the university of bristol so i was speaking to him about the work that he does and he sent me a few papers that he's done where he's looked at the effects of caffeine on people who are tolerant to caffeine and people who aren't tolerant Mm -hmm. to caffeine so people who don't use it and people who use it quite regularly and it's really interesting the sort of interplay between where the tolerance increases and the sort of different things that caffeine can improve and worsen. So in people who aren't tolerant to caffeine, it can improve your sort of physical performance. So things like your reaction time and weird psychology tests that people do. So things like how quickly can you tap a button and that kind of thing. How quickly can you respond to something that appears on a screen. So it's all done in like a lab environment. But regardless of whether you were tolerant or not, caffeine improved your ability at these kind of physical tasks. In terms of sort of mental tasks, the caffeine improved the people who were tolerant to caffeine, improved their ability to do these... So they're the ones who have caffeine regularly. Yeah, exactly, people who regularly use it, improved their ability on these. But for people who weren't used to caffeine, any improvement that you might have seen in these kind of sort of mental tasks was outweighed by the real increase in kind of anxiety feelings and the sort of the jitters that you get if you're not used to caffeine. The stimulant nature of it can make you feel quite wired and it can be quite unpleasant. Where I was saying about trying Red Bull to stay awake and stuff like that, I had that. I didn't feel more mentally alert or awake, but I felt tingly. I felt kind of a bit like I kept having to stretch my arms out and stuff like that. I felt kind of, yeah. Sort of almost like uncomfortable in your own skin. Yeah, completely. Which again isn't bad if you're trying to stay awake, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) A little bit of discomfort. Yeah, maybe. Um, And sort of one of the other sort of drawbacks of caffeine tolerance is actually the more tolerant you are of caffeine so the more you take it the less it has this ability to wake you up right. to reduce yeah. the drowsiness so you you'll gradually tolerant. need more and more again with you you assume with most drugs like again we don't think of coffee as a drug but with most drugs you'd think if you're having x amount a day then that will stop you'll start to need more than that yeah. to get the same buzz and the same hit that's, yeah that's I, think, I mean i think we definitely should consider caffeine a drug yeah, because completely. it sort of fulfills all the criteria of drugs in that it can be addictive, it's um, something that you get tolerant to and it changes your sort of bodily response, yeah. mind and body response. Yeah, it's an interesting one because, as we were saying beforehand, of all the things I've admitted to taking at some point on this podcast, coffee and high levels of caffeine isn't something I've had. But my dad was, when I was younger, my dad had a, 
a caffeine addiction. He had to go and see someone about it because he was just drinking so much coffee at work and just being at a desk. And it was making him burnt out and agitated and stressed and and, and, and short-tempered and stuff like that. And it was, yeah. Yeah. I and mean, in fact, I've got some of those things listed as sort of the problems of, of overdoing caffeine. Yeah. 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 Caffeine is also a diuretic, which means it makes you need to go to the loo more, but actually not really in the doses that it's sort of normally consumed in. You'd need to have two or three coffees or five to eight cups of tea in very, very quick succession for it to have that kind of diuretic effect. Yeah. Which is why when people are dehydrated, people always sort of say, oh, you know, you shouldn't drink tea or coffee because it's a diuretic. But actually, it's got loads of water in it as well. So it's probably better to drink that than nothing. Than nothing, sure. Caffeine toxicity, if you have too much caffeine, Mm -hmm. then you can feel, and I've experienced this and it's really unpleasant, sort of get dizziness, even more increased anxiety, kind of shakes and palpitations. Mm. And at really, really high doses, it can be... It can be fatal, but it's very hard to get those high doses, as I said, with drinking. You'd need to drink about 50 cups of coffee or 200 cups of tea in sort of very, very, very quick succession. Yeah. Heavy, regular caffeine use is linked to insomnia, unsurprisingly. Yeah, um, sure. And potentially heart attacks, although these are extremely unlikely unless you've already got underlying sort of heart problems. It's the same. We've said this with pretty much every stimulant that we've talked about. Yeah. The ones that increase your blood pressure and increase your heart rate are going to put your heart and that kind of system at more risk. So if you're already at risk, it's more dangerous. But yeah, these sort of factors are quite rare, perhaps. But there is a a sort of other side to caffeine, and that's the caffeine withdrawal. So if you're used to drinking caffeine, then, or if you're used to taking any substance, then the withdrawal tends to be a sort of opposite kind of effect. Yeah, yeah. So with caffeine, you can get quite bad headaches. Yeah. Sort of lethargy and sleepiness and inability to concentrate. This is this is a really unscientific and un, unprofessional anecdotal bit of information. But some friends of mine, again, from back in the day who used to experiment with a lot of different drugs and be crazy youths. I remember them all telling me after one night that I had a party and didn't have any drugs. And they did the biggest amount of coffee you can imagine in like a, a, a saucepan. And drunk that and got a bit of a buzz, but they said it was the worst come down they've had of, of any drug they've ever done because it was this thing, it wasn't a massive effect because as you said you'd have to drink a huge amount mm-hmm. to really get that far. And they did drink a huge amount, but their anecdotal thing there was that that come down, that 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 withdrawal was the worst that they'd experienced on on any kind of drug. So it's it's an odd one. It's I don't know whether it's something to do with academia, but certainly yeah. caffeine is very popular in yeah. universities. In fact, um our department put on coffee at 11am every day. Yeah. And to be fair to them, there's two pots of caffeinated and one pot of decaf. And it seems to be mainly the people who research coffee who are the ones who drink the decaf. Decaf, yeah, yeah, Slightly yeah, yeah. worrying. But withdrawal <laughs> can also lead to sort of things like depression and irritability, uh, but also physical things like stomach pain and, and joint pain. And caffeine withdrawal is really quite common. About half of caffeine users who have two to three coffees per day who go into withdrawal get headaches. It's just we have coffee so much, like it sort of becomes part of your routine. You wake up and on the way to work, you go and pick up a coffee, or yeah. when you get into work, you immediately have a cup of tea or something like that. Yeah. It's something that we really use habitually, probably more even than alcohol. It's something yeah, that completely. people and, tend to have every day. And as kind of said, the acceptableness of, of it is you may not associate the headaches you, you're getting with 
with withdrawal because again it's so it's so accepted and 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 common that and you might really not seen as associate and go yeah. oh right it's because of the amount of coffee i'm having or the addiction building up yeah okay should we move on to myths yes let's i put out a shout out on twitter and facebook and things for some yeah. myths and someone mentioned um oh, well the obvious one that i think you mentioned yeah. and another friend of mine mentioned and it's, and it's annoying I'm... because i mentioned this knowing the answer to it but i mentioned it to get it in here because it's yeah. a common one and then i had one person correct me and i felt like i needed to go no, I knew that. I knew that. I was just putting just. Well, that's, I was actually just about to say that as well. That like this is the one where everyone who mentioned it to me and a few people did had someone else go. Actually, it's this, which yeah, I thought yeah. was really funny. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, I always slightly worry with those kind of myths that everyone knows the correction to. It makes me think, oh, actually, maybe there's more to it than that as well. Because yeah. quite often that's the way these yeah. things perpetuate. Is because. When you think you know, it's like what happens in QI. Yeah. (laughs) Someone says that the answer and it's wrong, and then they get corrected, and then like the next series, someone says the the correction answer, and then it goes, actually, no, we've looked further. But yeah, so is there more caffeine in tea than coffee? Yeah. And as you said, and lots of other people said as well, that um, yes, there's more by dry weight, but because of the way that it's brewed, then there's not more in the end drink. In the end drink, there's. Because in general, we are. Drinking the coffee bean as such, we're just mixing it in. Whereas with tea, you're you're dipping it in and getting the kind of yeah infusing it rather than. I'm not sure if that's the reason because that's it, the right? way like you make you grind up the coffee beans, but you still yeah. then sort of put the water yeah. through them. You don't yeah. actually yeah, yeah, drink yeah. the bean itself. Yeah. So I think it's still. But anyway, it's the way yeah, it's that, the way it's brewed and yeah, the way it's it, made. it ends up that you. Well, I think you just use a lot more coffee per cup than yeah, you do tea I guess leaves. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you, certainly by weight, a tea bag is very lightweight because the leaf. Yeah. But anyway, that is the put that myth to bed. Yes. <laughs> oh, and another sort of similarly related one: green tea has no caffeine. Lots right. of people say that, like, oh no, I'm not drinking caffeine. Can I have a green tea? I've got a bit of bad news that there's probably similar amounts of caffeine in green tea and black tea leaves right how much caffeine ends up in your drink again depends on how you make your drink how long you brew it for how much you stir it for Mm -hmm. so like the more you agitate the tea bag sort of stirring it around and squeezing it and stuff the more caffeine comes out yeah pretty much all the caffeine will come out within the first sort of minute or so yeah so if i ever run out of decaf tea bags what i tend to do is make someone else a cup of tea and then use that bag to make (laughs) myself a cup of tea afterwards so that it has less caffeine in it but obviously that's a very unscientific way to get less caffeine (laughs) okay it's impossible to have too much caffeine now as i've already mentioned this it's definitely not true you can go into caffeine toxicity and we've discussed the symptoms of that pretty Mm. unpleasant there have been some case reports of fatalities from taking too much caffeine it's it's hard to know whether it was definitely the caffeine that caused these kind of things but caffeine has been listed on death certificates as cause of death wow so you have to take an awful lot as i mentioned but it's it's not impossible to have too much caffeine basically you can have too much caffeine caffeine doesn't have any effect unless you're already using it the effect is just bringing you out of withdrawal yes that's one that i'd kind of yeah um so we've sort of covered this in kind of the effects of caffeine earlier that there are some effects that are a result of bringing you out of withdrawal so things like alleviating headaches feeling more awake that kind of thing they're just reversing the withdrawal effects yeah but in people who've never drunk coffee it does have 
some effects. Not necessarily good effects, though. The things like the increased anxiety and jitteriness. That's yeah. an effect, but not necessarily one say, you'd want. From what you've, you've, you've said, it seems there's the physical effects are there regardless and more the mental or mind-based mm-hmm. effects are tied in with addiction and if you're a regular user already. Because, again, I think I'd heard on QI that, that caffeine just brings you back up to the level you would have been at if you'd never had caffeine. Yeah. So if you've never had it, you're at that level already. If you've had it, then you'll wake up each morning more lethargic and more this and that, and then you need to be brought up to yeah, that Yeah, absolutely. All those withdrawal symptoms that we talked about, sort of, yeah, feeling sluggish and feeling unable yeah. to do things and not being able to concentrate will be reversed by your first and cup again, of coffee in the morning. It shouldn't be a surprise, because, again, if we stopped not really v- v- viewing it as a drug, the fact is... Even if you've had a couple of glasses of wine or a couple of beers the night before, you'll generally wake up a bit more lethargic than you would if you've just had water all night cunning. So it's similar. Any drug Mm. you've taken the day before, you'd think, is going to have some effect. Yeah. It's probably not the best idea to have a compensatory glass of wine first thing in the morning (laughs) to bring you out of withdrawal. Yeah, To bring me back. (laughs) So decaf still has caffeine in it. Right. And yes, we've sort of mentioned this before already. It's usually about an order of magnitude lower than caffeinated drinks. So some figures I found on the internet suggest... That sounds really dodgy. Some figures I found on the Mayo Clinic's website on right, the yeah, internet, not yeah. just randomly just on, a, on yeah. a forum or something, um, <laughs> is 0 to 12 milligrams in a decaf tea or coffee. Mm-hmm. And that's compared to sort of 75 grams is one of those... Um, caffeine sort of standard caffeine doses that yeah. this Murray Carpenter man used in his book as like one dose of caffeine so you can see that's an awful lot lower yeah and some might have really trace or nothing but most decaffeinated drinks you'll still be getting a tiny bit of caffeine right sure yeah not very much and the other thing that someone mentioned to me is about does caffeine affect how you absorb iron so this right. is potentially a problem for people who are anemic and that kind of thing who need to eat get their iron through eating iron-rich foods or taking iron supplements. Yeah. And it's a, it's sort of a myth, but not, not really. It's not the caffeine itself, but it's right. other things in both coffee and tea, these things called polyphenols, that actually inhibit iron absorption. That's so tannin in tea, and I think tannin is in coffee as well, and um, chlorogenic acid, which is in coffee. These things can inhibit the absorption of iron, and so people who are trying to who've been sort of medically prescribed or told to increase their iron intake are advised not to drink tea or coffee for two hours before or two hours after either yeah. eating their iron-rich food or taking their iron supplements right. because it will impact quite significantly as well up to sort of 60% um, reduction in your ability to absorb iron. Yeah. But it's not the caffeine that does it, but it is the tea and the coffee that yeah, does it. Yeah, sure. That's interesting. So does caffeine have any benefits any medical benefits right it sort of does so if you've ever taken painkillers beyond just paracetamol or ibuprofen they quite often are mixed with caffeine right so it's it's used certainly in in sort of treatments for hangover as well yeah but actually there have been some uh trials done and it does look like including about 100 milligrams of caffeine with another pain well with a painkiller makes the painkiller a small amount but a statistically significant amount more effective right because and and again often the there'll be different ones on on cold and flu tablets as well Mm. where it'll say don't take before you go to bed because it's got caffeine you know it it will keep you awake it's i assume it's why they do variations of of nighttime ones rather than your your regular daytime one because it's it's using caffeine to 
yeah. to ramp it yeah. well up a bit. And 100 milligrams isn't a small amount either. It's about, it's sort of a decent cup of coffee yeah, kind yeah. of amount. But caffeine citrate is also on the WHO list of essential medicine. And it's used to treat or prevent infant breathing disorders. Right. So there are sort of medical benefits to caffeine that's sort of well known about. Yeah. And there's also interesting work going on at the moment that's very much in its early days, but um, I keep getting press releases about using caffeine as potentially being protective against Parkinson's, okay. cancer and Alzheimer's. And all of this work is kind of ongoing at the moment, but yeah. it's another case where these sort of things that we think of as recreational drugs might actually have other uses as well and yeah. sort of being looked at at the moment to try and work out sort of whether this is the case, why these... It's quite often if you see sort of associations observationally with people who choose to drink coffee versus people who don't, and we've talked about confounding quite a lot in previous podcasts, yeah. but the people who drink coffee are different in lots of other ways from the people who don't. Of so course. understanding these associations is quite difficult, but Caffeine's quite an easy one to justify doing a randomised controlled trial. It's not as harmful or certainly it's easier maybe socially acceptable yeah, to get say, the permission to do these kind of studies. So hopefully we might start seeing some really interesting results about whether caffeine is or isn't useful in these kind of situations. It's fascinating that caffeine is seen and known as something to kind of give you a boost and give you that extra energy. But it's interesting to hear that it kind of works in a similar way with other drugs. So you'll put caffeine in with other drugs to give that effect mm -hmm. a boost, an yeah. extra energy or whatever else. So it's, yeah, it's weird how that's a transferable trait. Before we sort of wrap up this episode, a few other things that are sort of interesting about caffeine. Yeah. Are some people more susceptible to the effects of caffeine than others? And it does seem like, yeah, there's some sort of genetic aspect to how we metabolise caffeine or how we experience caffeine. Yeah. So some res research has shown that there's some people have a genetic predisposition to experience caffeine-related anxiety. Right. This means that these people might be less likely to start using caffeine yeah. because the first time they try it, they get a particularly strong kind of jittery, anxious feeling and so they just keep away from it. Yeah. But actually in people who then go on to use it regularly, the people with this predisposition are just as likely to develop a tolerance than the yeah. people without it. So it might put them off starting in the first place, but if they do then get used to it, they'll build up their tolerance to caffeine. Yeah, sure. But this idea of sort of genetic uh, predisposition to experiencing the effects of drugs is kind of something we're also just beginning to really try and understand. Yeah. It's been obvious, there's, it's true for all sorts of different drugs that different people have different experiences when, when they're on them. Of course. And that some of it is down to genetics kind of makes sense because the genes code for proteins which might be involved in the metabolism of the drug or might prevent the drug being sort of taken up or all these yeah. different possibilities of the way that thing, different levels of proteins and things inside our bodies can affect how we experience yeah. consumption of, of other things. And it's, it's, it's a fascinating one because it, it then causes arguments with anything that is is that then has to be regulated mm. because it is such an individual thing and 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 alcohol which we've done a very popular episode on is a prime example of that because people will say well I'm fine after two pints but someone else isn't fine after two pints and it's not as simple as size mm -hmm. which a lot of people say I'm a bigger guy I can yeah. it's like there's so much more 
in our bodies and in our and in everything else in our genetics that will make you more or less tolerant. So you can't you have to kind of make a blanket rule of well here's the rule for everyone and yeah, yeah and leave it at that. Yeah, and it's interesting that you mention alcohol there as well because I think there's interesting interactions between caffeine and alcohol and in particular in relation to energy drinks Mm -hmm. there are alcoholic energy drinks which can potentially sort of mask the intoxication that you're feeling with with alcohol so i mean i remember when i was a teenager everyone was drinking vodka i was gonna say vodka red bulls became the biggest thing and then there was a rumor that they'd been banned for some reason (laughs) there was all sorts of all the stupid things you get at these when there's a new fad Mm -hmm. but yeah well it certainly is the case that it might make you feel like you're less drunk than you are, but you're probably, well, you're certainly still consuming the same amount of alcohol. And therefore doing the same damage. Yeah, internally. absolutely. And it also might mean that you're more drunk than you realise, which could get you into sort of problems yeah, in terms of, of if course. you think you're fine, but you end up in a situation where you're not fine, you know, and yeah. you sort of find it more difficult to walk than you might realise because yeah. mentally you might still be feeling a bit alert from the caffeine. Yeah. So it's a really sort of, worrying development and as you say it's something that's really not it's not been that well researched and I think it's something it's like an interesting avenue to look at whether consuming caffeine and alcohol together is sort of more than the sum of its parts if you know what I mean yeah it feels almost like it's a I mean as you said they're a masking element in in that respect but almost a a fighting and natural and natural warning system because in in general you know when you've drunk t- too much. And I've grown up in Essex. A lot of people choose to ignore that signal when they've <laughs> drunk too much. And, and that's just the midpoint of the night. Um, but the idea of something, I, I like that going, right, let's turn off that thing that's going to tell me I'm at, at my limits so that I can go yeah, that, bit f- that, that much further past it. That's, that's a, the really that's good way of explaining it, yeah. yeah. And there's also interactions with tobacco. Yeah. So you think coffee and cigarettes are kind of goes together and there might be a good reason for that smoking makes you metabolize caffeine quicker which means that you probably want more coffee right but if you're trying to quit smoking your metabolism will have slowed down again meaning you might be more likely to go into caffeine toxicity right and the things you experience when you're in caffeine toxicity the sort of feelings of like anxiety and jitteriness are quite similar to tobacco withdrawal. Yeah, yeah. So there's some sort of wondering that maybe if you are used to drinking more coffee and then you stop smoking, that actually you might be more likely to start smoking again because you experience caffeine toxicity, mistake it for nicotine withdrawal, smoke a cigarette, that makes you metabolise the caffeine more quickly... So and it's just a cycle. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one because a lot. I, I remember, again, when my dad was giving up c- cigarettes, he found he was drinking far much, l- loads more tea. Yeah. And, and, and again, it's more a habitual thing, I think. Mm-hmm. So rather than having a cigarette in his hand, he's got a cup of tea in his hand. But that's interesting that a better way to do it, potentially, if you're trying to give up cigarettes, would be to cut down yeah. on tea and coffee as well. In, 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 in line with it, yeah. to reduce those physical effects. Well, this is still sort of a theory at the moment, but some research is going on. In fact, some of the people that I work with are, are doing research yeah. into this at the moment. But the idea is that, yeah, if you could Just offer this as a advice... sitting around smoking and drinking coffee <laughs> in his, his research. <laughs> Best gig in the world. <laughs> but if, you, if it is the case that this, this is what's happening, then if you can, if people are wanting to make a smoking quit attempt, then if you could encourage them to 
begin to cut down on their coffee before yeah. they do it, this could potentially help in terms yeah, of them sticking to their to their quit attempt. And then I've somehow managed to end the podcast about caffeine talking about tobacco. Yeah, so, yeah. whoops. But, um, yeah. And there we are. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. As always, feel free to get in touch on Facebook or Twitter. You can find me at Suzaphone. That's S-O-O-Z-A-P-H-O-N-E. And do join us for the next episode in two weeks' time when Pip and I will be discussing heroin. Bye! You've been listening to Say Why to Drugs with me, Dr Susie Gage. The music and editing were by Jim Murray. The artwork is by at my name is Ad. Say Why to Drugs would not have been possible without the generous support of I'm a Scientist Get Me Out of Here, the Medical Research Council and Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.